0: Hi everyone, welcome to episode number 66 of the Fitness Devil Podcast. We have Danny Sugart of T-Nation. She's an editor and a writer, and she's on our podcast today. We go through a whole bunch of stuff, most notably her current work on raising awareness about breast implant illness, her thoughts on that. We discuss eating disorders and how the industry has made progress on that conversation. She wrote an article, giving up give up labels, get results, and dealing with Recent obsession with assigning yourself a label and how that can actually be detrimental. Exercise and mental health, long-term brain benefits of exercise. So that's something that's sort of starting to emerge we're understanding a bit better. It's important to understand that uh, it's really good for you. So uh, you should consider more exercise that way. Also, we look at the use of rules in fitness, where this can be really beneficial and where it can actually get you into trouble. to Use caution. And the spotlight effect and how we experience the spotlight effect. We basically think that people can read our minds and how fears surrounding that can actually keep us out of the gym. So how to defeat that guys stick around. It's a really wonderful episode and uh, hopefully you'll give us a five-star review, share it on your social media.
1: Shut up and sit down.
0: Hey everyone, welcome to our newest episode of the Fitness Devil Podcast. And I'll jump right to it. I feel like I have actually said this a lot lately on the podcast. Uh, today we have a great guest who whose work I've been reading for decades, for sorry, decades, a decade uh, on uh, on T Nation. So a lot of T Nation writers and contributors lately. Uh, we've had Lee Boyce recently, Charles Staley, Dean uh, Cyberset is a fixture on our podcast. We we'll always try to sneak his name in at some point. Sort of a running joke. Eric Bach, Brett Contreras, Nick Tuminello is scheduled to be really uh, to be recorded next week, and there's a whole bunch more than that. So, but today it's a real pleasure actually have uh, on here longtime writer and editor Danny Sugert on the podcast. And as I said, Danny's a writer, editor for T a lifetime natural lifter, digital marketer for Spike Energy. Danny, it's a real pleasure.
1: Thanks so much. You cut out just a little bit there. I was the going to say,
2: you did cut yeah, out. Perfect. You're... We got we got out of the way. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, hope, hopefully my connection's okay, guys. So just like you said, we me. good. We're good. Uh, it literally... chops up. Good. good. All right. So, let's actually go right into this. And so, Danny, you mentioned, I would say, like, totally out of the war path about this one lately on your social media and your articles. Um, and it's about breast implant illness. So yeah. can you actually explain what it is? Um, why this has become a crusade for you. Uh, And uh, let's actually talk about why breast implants have been such a ubiquitous thing within the fitness industry culture.
1: Sure. Uh, So what it is, is I think illness, breast implant illness is a little bit of a misnomer because it's more of a reaction. Like if your body reacts negatively to anything foreign inside that's been placed inside of it, then you're going to, um you're going to see those that reaction manifest in a bunch of different ways one of the ways that breast implants impact certain females i'm not saying all females certain females is it lowers their immunity so if you lower your immunity you're going to be susceptible to all sorts of illnesses and ailments including autoimmune problems so your body's going to start attacking itself and you're going to feel you know you could get a ton of different, I mean, Hashimoto's, you could get uh, Sjogren's disease, you could get um, fibromyalgia. There's a ton of different ways that breast in- implant illness can manifest, but it's mostly a reaction, not an illness. That's cool. uh, so that's what it was. So you were asking what it was. And then your second part was um, why it's, why I'm kind of on a warpath. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I, I, there's no way that I would ever say to someone you shouldn't do to your body, whatever you want to do. Like, I don't care what you want to do with your body, do whatever you want, but I just want the industry, the, the plastic surgery industry to be honest with what, with us about what all of the risks are. Because when I went in to get my breast implants, that was swept under the rug Nobody told me you're going to be more at risk for all these other symptoms, all these other problems. It's going to ruin your fitness. It's going to make you hurt. It's going to put you in agonizing pain. You're going to consider suicide later on down the road. You're going to be fucked up. So nobody told me this. Nobody told me this. And and it's so frustrating because I just want the knowledge out there to spread. I don't want to ban implants and I don't want to tell women what they should or shouldn't do with their bodies. But I do want them to be aware just like cigarette smokers, right? They know the risks. They know all of the risks. That's never swept under the rug. The risks are right there on the package. So when they smoke cigarettes, they do so with full knowledge that they could get lung cancer, they could get throat cancer, they could get any other problem and they know it. Like they're making an informed decision, but I, when I was considering implants, it wasn't like a flippant decision. I had, I had researched. I was looking for reasons not to do it. Since those reasons didn't come up, all of the problems were rare and preventable. So I chose to get them, did, thinking that I was making the right decision.
2: Did, do you think that they don't? Because I wouldn't even have thought of like Hashimoto's or like systemic stress causing a lot of stuff. Do you think that they don't even know at that point? Because like I've never heard of that, but like that makes sense.
0: Like that's logical yeah. when you so break it down. There's
1: a history. There's a history. That's a great question because there is a history of silicone causing these problems and it's been happening since the sixties. Yeah. I'm reading a book right now, um, about all of the, the memos that were that came to light accidentally and it's it's inner inner office memos that talked about like all the shit that the silicone caused in women yeah. and um and how it would seep out of the the uh, implant shell and so these problems have been going on for decades and, and doctors even like doctors who aren't plastic surgeons still think that they're oh oh science is advanced you don't have to worry about those problems anymore yeah. so
2: that's just crazy. Like I couldn't, I'm not going to get breast implants, but like going in there thinking like it's like a thing that'll (laughs) uplift you literally. um, But that you'll come out with Hashimoto's at the end of it. Cause like, again, you wouldn't have even, I wouldn't even have thought of autoimmune and that like almost blows my mind because that can get so up into the wrong. Like they're even thinking depression's autoimmune at this point. So it's like you, you sign up for that and you end up with that like years later. Like that's nuts.
1: It is. And um, to answer your question, Andrew earlier about like why it's so prevalent in the fitness industry. Um I don't you know, I don't think it's prevalent in all of the all of fitness. I mean, when I went to a CrossFit gym, I was the only girl with implants. <laughs> <laughs> and they were all asking me like, "What? You know, when did you decide to do this? What, you know, they were asking me about it, and I was like, "Oh, you yeah, know, well, here's the facts." But um when I went to more of a uh, I, I generally go to a regular gym where people train mostly bodybuilding style. And so, in a bodybuilding style gym, <laughs> like it's rare to see a woman without implants, right? <laughs> so, um, the reason why I think it's prevalent is uh, there are two reasons for it, actually. I think that women who get themselves in shape, a lot of times they end up losing a lot of body fat, right? So, one of the locations where they lose body fat is their chests. And so, th- Then they just end up having smaller chests and a lot of, sometimes they have sagging that comes with that. So they want to make themselves feel better by, you know, getting implants. And I see nothing wrong with that. Um, The other reason it's prevalent is because I think a lot of women want to mimic or follow in the footsteps of other fitness pros who have those, you know, voluptuous curves while also being really, really lean. Does that make sense?
0: absolutely does <laughs> yeah well, i mean do
1: you why do you think it's prevalent i mean is there is
0: that
2: if if i i don't know andrew's viewpoints i i would have just assumed again not knowing anything like i'm coming in blind almost would be um like the aesthetics and like the popularity that comes with i guess thinking that you need to look a certain way to get right. i don't want to say fame but like to kind of progress further in the aesthetics portion like that's what i would assume baseline <laughs> but i have no idea
1: well you know well, i remember like i remember looking up to certain females in the fitness industry and thinking i want to be like her i mean she's got the perfect body the la- you know i'm wor- i've worked my tail off i've got i got really really lean and then i was like okay the last step this is the last thing mm-hmm. that is missing on me is just i just need a bigger chest you know and so that's that was my line of thinking back then of course i'm not i'm not in that mental i'm not in that headspace anymore i don't think like that anymore but that's i I think that that's what I was thinking about six years ago.
0: Yeah. I just sort to answer your question. You posed to me and why I think it's so popular. I mean, number one, I think within the actual competitive uh, fitness industry for bikini competitions, yeah. it seems like it's almost required because of the aesthetic for judging. So yeah. I think there's partly that. And I think now we also have a culture with, the explosion of Instagram uh, you know visual attractiveness uh, generating a following um, and I think that yeah uh, some women feel pressure to go in that direction right and you know, I, I think it's a lot of people's eyes it's it's
1: I'm so sorry I you you froze and and I couldn't hear mm-hmm. you a really important part
0: uh, all right I'll try to Grab that again. I think it is my connection. Listeners, guys, I'm really uh, sorry um, if it's it's on my end. Um, I will restate that whole thing. I think it's just become so common now with Instagram and the whole visual aspect of it and the popularity and gaining a following that I think it's so common that now there's more pressure to be there and and have, I guess, that look. And if you don't, I think there's some women, especially who are trying to gain a big following on on Instagram. That they feel like they're not uh, living up to the ideal of that. I suppose <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure I'd be particularly well, well. And, well, and my... we
2: we hammer on like Instagram models, like, and the stupidity of Instagram. But it's almost like there's almost like this need to be visually, I guess, appealing to get the followers to then do something, where like instead of. Prioritizing like your brain or like what you know and what you have to say that gets prioritized and it's almost backwards. So people listen to you because you have a big Instagram following as opposed to the other way around. And that's a lot of pressure if you're trying to build a career in the fitness industry and that's what you think you need to do. Like, uh, I don't know that that's that's how I see it, but I mean, I have no fucking clue. It,
1: you know, it really is. And I don't, I don't want to blame women for that line of thinking because. It's really hard to not fall into that. I mean, especially competitors, because I remember when I was competing, I was always taking pictures of my butt. And it was like looking back on that. I was like, I am part of the problem, you know, and I take I take responsibility for that because I, I feel like competing kind of turns you. Even if you're a person who's not a narcissist or not, you know, wanting to show your TNA all over social media, it kind of like getting ready for the competition kind of turns you into that. And, and I saw, I saw that with myself too. You know, if I were to ever compete again, I would want to be the opposite. I would want to be like, okay, this is who I am. I have no tits and I'm going to get up there on stage and I'm going to rock it, but I'm, I'm also going to be classy everywhere else on social media, etc.
2: Well, I can, kind of, I can kind of relate. Um, when I was, powerlifting differently but when I was dieting down for powerlifting you almost get this window where you like look really good so like you almost take as many pictures as you can it's almost like it's like a fleeting moment in time and then like that's when all the pictures come in and so like yeah you're like you're like that competition mode turns you into that because you know it's it's not long lasting (laughs) so I've done it to lesser extent but no ass pics but
0: Mr. Who lifts with his shirt off in most of his yeah,
2: clothes. but that's because it's, it's fucking hot. Like that's what that, but that's what I mean. That's normal. That's like this is what I am. It's not a selfie of like my shirt. Like I'm just my shirt's off because it's fucking hot. That's different, man.
1: You know, and I I have nothing against people who like show their gains. Like if you're proud of your work, then heck yeah, show that off. But like I, I know that that um you know I was kind of I. I think I was, I went through a slutty phase. You know, I'll be honest about that. I think I went through a slutty phase and I just, you know, and and I feel free to call me out if you guys see me doing that shit again. And, you know, that's fine. I I would, I, I would be open to hearing criticism like that.
2: I think it's intent though. And I think everyone can read through bullshit too. And I think that's where Instagram may have a turnaround at some point because I think people are able to kind of see the bullshit a little bit more because intense, like you can show yourself, in those pictures and have the intent of like being proud of yourself. And then there's the, in, I'll just use it because you said it. There's like the slutty intent <laughs> or like with my, I, you know what I mean? Like there is different intentions. And I think if you, if you look at it from that aspect, I guess they can have di- like the same picture can have different meanings depending on the person and their intent. And I think that the intention is usually the other way around more slutty to get followers, but maybe I'm wrong. And who said I use slutty, she used it first.
1: well yeah i think you're right there is you can you can see the intention and um a lot of times you'll see the cap the caption will tell you a lot more about that too you know i just i i'm tired of pretentiousness i'm tired of people pretending to be something that they're not or pretending to I
2: don't know. I that yeah. well, that's that's, that's Instagram in general though. Like, I mean, if you're sick of it, at like there's people who don't understand that people are fake. Like, that's I think that's the problem that I see with even all that shit is that if you're presenting a, a picture of your life and a caption of your life, it sucks if it's not you because when you find out later down the road that you influenced all these people, they're buying into something that's not real, and I think that that happens way too often. I just don't like that aspect of it. If that's you and you're you want to post
0: slutty pictures and like that is you. Actually sick, right? like how yeah. many people are actually sick of playing the game yeah but they feel like well they can't get c- caught left behind so <laughs> it mm-hmm. does make you wonder a little bit
1: but you also have to if, if you're that type of person you also have to wonder okay well what kind of followers am i actually gathering mm-hmm. like are these quality people or are they just jerking off to my pictures you know what i mean it, and if you're gathering if you're trying to gather that kind of crowd you're pathetic. I mean, you you need to get laid by someone who's not on the internet. You need to go and have a, actual relationships with human beings outside of your computer. You know what I mean?
0: This is why I want, this is what I love. When we get to <laughs> say things that are so honest and visceral like that, To get really... It's
2: better when you thoughts. see it, because I can see that's it.
0: That's always the best of the best on this podcast. So, No, I I love that. I love that level of honesty. Well, Well, I I
1: think social media is a problem in general because it means, you know, the better you are at social media, the worse you probably are at life. Like you need to like unplug for once and and go have life, go do life, go be an awesome, you know, sister or daughter or father, whatever you need to do. But like the more time you spend on social media, the less time you're doing that stuff. And I, you know, I, I, I'm speaking to myself too. Like I'm, I'm telling that to myself too, because I think we're all a little, you know, there are times when anyone can get trapped in that.
2: My, my favorite, my favorite people to follow are the people that have shitty Instagrams that are popular. So like Ben Bruno, (laughs) for example, just like, he like, he like, he clearly doesn't, he clearly doesn't try, but then like he has his stories and they're super funny, but like, they're not, they're not like. Images that he had a professional photographer take, and he's like <laughs> looking into the sunset. It's literally the shittiest Instagram ever. Like that's what I want to see because I- I'm so it's sick of the
1: best. <laughs> it's it's unstaged. It's natural. It's just his life. It's his life.
2: Yeah. yeah. Brett Contreras is a good example too. Like it's just the shittiest stories ever. He's just like literally tapping ad story and like taking videos of his like those. That's that's what I like because th- that's popularity based on like they're literally just documenting their life. They're not necessarily. Um, contriving it Based on some image They think they need to do and I think more people Should do that But again What do I know I guess That doesn't pay the bills But like, It's gonna Neither
0: Well there's gonna
2: yeah. be I, I keep saying There's gonna be a reckoning People are gonna Fucking figure out That this like Fake shit Is Not gonna be What they want And then all these people Are gonna be fucked Cause they're gonna have A well, bunch like, of like You had dudes Jerking off to their pictures Then what Like you can't They can't buy shit from you You
1: have to confess be though Because like When I, when I bake cookies, like I want that picture to look, I want you to like, want to, to shove that in your mouth so hard and fast and just like, I want my cookies to look amazing. So I will stage that photo. I will make it look, I will put on a little filter to make, you know, the colors more vibrant or whatever, but I want my food to look fucking awesome. And I also, you know what? I also make my dogs look really good. I also stage yep. them because <laughs> I want but, people to see that my dogs are awesome. And sometimes photos don't do reality justice. Like you can't tell how adorable my dogs are because of a picture. So I will, I will enhance that picture sometimes to make to like bring out the colors or, you know, whatever.
2: That's different though. Like that's, that's maybe that's like where I should make, make a rule book. Cause I'm the authority on it. But, um, If you're going to take a picture of your dog, it's going to be something that uplifts you. So if you're taking a picture of your dog and, like, that's something that adds to your cup as opposed to, like, you fucking taking your soul piece by piece out of your body to, like, get a picture, like, that's not a dog picture or a cookie picture. That's, like, that's, like, the fake, I don't even like sunsets and the ocean and I'm going to stage my picture and get there and talk this fake story. That 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 has to eat your soul.
0: Like, there's no way it can't. I don't know. Maybe (laughs) I should ask them. Like, is that... (laughs) What if you're stealing part of your dog's soul by doing that? But that's, like, have you ever thought about your dog?
1: I totally yeah.
0: <laughs> if their tail's wagging, they're good. That's my rule. Like, I, have, I
2: should write a rule book, Andrew. If you're posting your dog and their tails you. aren't wagging, like, then they're not happy.
0: Then you, then you are taking a little bit of their soul.
1: I know. Sure. I'm guilty. <laughs> I've got a few
0: friends. And like, a lot of my friends on social media will post pictures of their pets. And actually, I think that's amazing. But we all have that one or two friends who... It's, it's usually guys. It'll, it'll be guys, and they'll have the photo with the dog, and it's usually a, a bully breed. And you can totally tell. It's like, dude is in bed shirtless with the dog, and you know it's just, like, a major thirst trap <laughs> like photo. who, t- who to took you that picture? Yeah. What?
1: It's well, a- women do the same thing, but with their ass. Oh, here's my dog, and also my ass.
2: Anthony's <laughs> going to hate me, but, I'm like, my business partner. <laughs> He has a picture of himself on his stairs with his, with a bully dog. That was his dad's. It's not even his. (laughs) You're right. That's the classic picture. That's the guy's version of, of slutty. Picture with pit bulls and no shirt in your bed. Oh, sorry.
0: Let's move on. (laughs) You're. Uh, I think it's you know important to touch on, but uh, let's yeah. actually go into something else. And there's actually an article you wrote. I really liked it. It said, it was called Give Up Labels, Get Results. Uh, and it's dealing with the recent obsession with assigning oneself to a workout or a dietary ideology. We're seeing this tons of this. CrossFit, intermittent fasting are a couple of good examples. It's tribalism. We've talked about in this podcast before. How do you see assigning labels... How do you see that interfering with getting the best end outcome for people?
1: Ah, great question. So I think that a lot of times when we call ourselves one thing, it's really hard for us to um, to admit when that one thing kind of stops working for us. So if we are super dedicated to a spe- specific type of diet yeah. and we like to call ourselves that, then once that diet stops working... We're going to be so blinded by that that we're going to be like, well, I'm just not dieting hard enough. So I must stick with this and continue calling myself this and just do it harder instead of like switching gears, trying something else and, you know, sampling all the diets, you know, trying things out, giving them a fair chance, committing to multiple things at different times to see what works best for you, adapting them and, you know, figuring out how you as an individual function best and what diets work for you and you know what workout routine works for you at this moment and and that's going to change like you should never be so dedicated to one diet or one type of fitness for your life that that you're never like open to other ideas or other variations on what you're doing
2: one week it's it's funny like we, we we see we see this happening so much and it, like we we talk about I think I maybe I've talked about tribes way too much but like tribes are like it's almost like the new thing is to be part of a tribe and now that people understand what a tribe is now we're getting the, the battles of tribes are good tribes are bad but before all this, no one even knew what the fuck a tribe was they were just following shit yeah. so it's just interesting that this conversation has actually developed to understanding what a tribe is and people not wanting to be part of them and be part of them because they are healthy, like that is evolutionarily like what we're supposed to try and do
1: like communities, yeah, and and I totally agree, like community is super important, mm-hmm. like it's important to to be a part of something, but then i think I think where it goes wrong is to say I'm part of this group, but I will not be a part yeah. of anything else, you know like so i I feel like I have a great community at at my gym right now, yeah. but I would never be like. I'm a part of this community, so that means that I cannot associate with anybody else outside of this gym. You know that was, that's just silly. I mean, that's it's so um juvenile. It's what we did in junior high, or you know yeah. high school and and it's silly because it's like, well, but you could be missing out of the benefits on that tribe and that tribe and that tribe and that tribe. So I just don't like I like to be able to do things without calling myself that thing doer, you know what I mean.
2: Yeah. I like to call it the anti-tribe. I think I, 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 I'm going to coin that, but it's almost like your tribe is the people who are open-minded enough to hear everyone else's tribe and just pick what works best for you. Like that's the tribe I want to be part of, but it's, it's not as, it's not as niche. So I don't know if it'll catch on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it will because you know, the people who create the tribes want you to be tribalistic in your thought process. You know, they want, you know, the people who are, who are doing keto want you to be all in on keto and they want you to be you know militant towards any other type of diet so I just think that that's dangerous because like there's value in a lot of different things and that that value will kick in as you need it at different times of your life
2: do, do, you, do you think like this is actually because you you've been exposed to a lot of this stuff just with teenage do you think that like the people at the top like the marketers and stuff they're they understand how tribalism works and they're trying to like manipulate the variables to get people to buy into shit like is that a thing do you think
1: Of course, of course. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that like Kylie Jenner wants all of her, you know, fans to buy her lipstick and be Kylie Jenner makeup wearers or whatever, you know. I just,
2: I I had this discussion. So this is another Anthony thing. Why do all these girls have fake lips? And like my description was because Kylie Jenner like literally did it and she's so big that she developed the, I had this conversation. She developed the tribe of people who like, inject their lips and now like there's so many women on instagram with like the fake lips like big like not even like bad good fake but like way too much fake and, yeah.
1: well, it's, it's it's almost cartoonish yeah. you know what i mean
2: it's insane and just another yeah. side note since we're on tribes i recently found out that tribe is actually a um not a derogatory but it's it's actually like insensitive to um native americans or aboriginals so, oh, so, so now they're getting mad that people are using tribe to describe like they're part of keto because it actually is offensive. So just side note, not that anyone cares.
1: Okay. So it's like a cultural appropriation of,
2: of... yeah. I, it's cause like they're supposed to be a band, not a tribe. So tribe was like a way to like make them feel like shit back in the day, I guess. So just, just no, I don't think it's actually going to catch on, but like
0: absolutely. someone's insensitive
2: that's,
0: to that. That's political correct. Run amok, and anyone who's getting rid of that, with that kind of bullshit used to fuck. I knew and that, that get Andrew like, going, but like it was nothing, literally an article. Nothing, I swear nothing, to fuck. Nothing, God, it's good for society. It's like this. This. And I, I won't get into politics, like you said, but like, <laughs> just some of this idea crap. Some astronaut went and quoted Winston Churchill, and fucktard went and qu- people attacked him for quoting Winston Churchill because allegedly Winston Churchill had some thoughts that weren't didn't fit the social narrative of today and then he apologized for this what like what the fuck is wrong with you like the world would be a terrible place if not for the actions of Winston Churchill so uh people need to to really just get that, off of that crazy that's stuff. awesome anyway,
2: sorry but I, I any other story does Danny have a story or something that's fucked up <sighs>
0: What's that? I said, do you have a
2: story of, of political incorrectness that shouldn't be politically
1: incorrect? Oh, um, actually not that I can think of. Well, oh my gosh. I mean,
2: there's probably a lot.
1: I feel like there are too many that we see and I'm, you know, just to be a positive, happy person in life. I try to kind of blind myself to that stuff. I'm like, okay, everything eventually is going to be offensive. Yeah. So you can either pay attention to all that, or you can just be like, ah, fuck it. I'm going to be offensive. If you're offended by what I say and do, then you're yeah. be offended. So go think, for it. I think that and that's you know, that at a certain point you start trying to be offensive because you're just so tired of everyone, everyone's feelings getting hurt. So you're like, okay, if you think that I'm offensive, see what you think of this.
0: <laughs> yeah, I
2: agree. I think that like, that's kind of like the way we try to go about this podcast is like, I'm sure we've offended some people, but like we're literally the least offensive people. If, if I'm saying something, something offensive, like you'll know. Cause I won't laugh at the end, but I, I get the whole thing. But like, sometimes if you're, it's like South Park, South Park's so blatantly offensive. Like you can't be offended. Like I went to, um, I was in New York a couple of weeks ago and I went to, um, the book of Mormon, like people aren't flying off the handle about the book of Mormon. And they literally made fun of every single political, religious, um, yeah. s- sexual orientation group and med- melded them all together. And no one's making fun of, like, I just don't get where anyways, sorry, bad rant.
1: Oh, but The thing about South Park is that they are equally offensive to everyone.
2: That's this podcast. We're equally offensive to everyone, so you can't get mad at us. That's great. I like that. That's go a,
0: something that uh, you mentioned about uh, do marketers understand the concept of tribes and whatnot? Absolutely. There's a writer I like, uh, Seth Godin, who writes a lot of marketing stuff. He's got a book called Tribes. He actually goes into it in detail. Rand Holiday's Perennial Seller, in a lot of ways, talks about the the tribalism uh, behind the people who support certain types of artists. He talks a lot about Iron Maiden and their fans and, and that sort of thing, but that was probably worth noting. Let's actually move on to our next question.
2: <laughs> no, the, the book is going to be taken off the, 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 the rack soon because it's offensive. Andrew. God, no. <laughs> um, okay. Let's get, let's get back to the exercise. So I feel like, like I, I do feel like people now clearly understand that, physical, the physical benefits of exercise. Like we'll say that exercise is good. Um, would you address the benefits to our mental health? Cause we don't usually talk about that. And especially the long-term we'll call it brain effects of exercise.
1: Absolutely. So, um, I, you know, you could look up, I mean, you could go to Google search and find it, like a number of studies that talk about how Exercise prevents neurodegenerative diseases and how it protects the brain and how it uh, prevents depression and all these other things. Um, But you don't really need to see a study to know that you feel happier, you feel sharper, you feel um, more intelligent after you're done exercising or when you've been exercising consistently. It's easier to stay on your game with all things, you know, outside of the gym when you are consistently exercising and i can give you a really really good um example of this so i have a friend who's he's in his i want to say mid to late 70s and um he's kind of my walking buddy like if i go to the gym and have a walking day then sometimes he'll be my he's he's my buddy who i talk to on the on the treadmill and um he is sharp as a tack he's a veteran he's just like he used to be um an alcoholic. He used to be overweight, but now he's lean and he's sharp and he's hilarious. He's fucking hilarious. And he got himself better by just committing to exercise. And he he'll walk on the treadmill for one hour with the the incline cranked way up. And I cannot even keep up. Like if I tried to put my, you know, to put my incline where his is at and keep up with him and go for a fucking hour, I could not (laughs) do it. And, and he's not even, he's not even out of breath. I mean, he's telling me jokes and we're talking the whole time. And this man is just like, I, I how are you, you. In your seventies? <laughs> you know? And he's happy. And he's like, and that's, so I just want to, I just want to be like Ted when I'm in my seventies, I want to be that awesome. And I think that exercise is the key to getting there.
2: Well, they were like, we talked about with, with Staley, but like how strength training is like the biggest benefit of it as you become older is, like, to get up off the ground, like, evolutionarily, like, if you fall at that age, you're fucking, you're probably dead. So, like, just being right. physically active is kind of that way to tell your body, like, I'm still able to do shit that I need to do to live.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. I don't
2: know. Like, that's how I, that's how I look. at. I know that's super fucked up, but, like, yeah, like, walking is, like... That's that whole thing where it's cliche in the sense that people always recommend, you know, you need to get your 8,000 steps a day to like lose weight, blah, 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 blah. But it's more just, you need to tell your body to do stuff it's meant to do. And exercise tends to check off a lot of the boxes most of the time.
1: Well, and he's, he's not even done after walking, after walking, he gets off the treadmill and then he goes and lifts weights.
2: Maybe it was, maybe it was Charles Staley. (laughs) Does he, does he go lift weights after too? Like, is he strong? Like, does he go deadlift, like, 300 pounds? That'd be
1: nuts. Oh, dead? Yeah. No. I mean, he'll, he tinkers around with uh machines and stuff, but, I mean, still, it's impressive.
2: I think that, that that's where, like, we can even look at the fitness industry in total and, like, we, we've come almost, almost have this skewed image of what fitness needs to be and, like, at the end of the day, like, that dude's 70 and in shape, like, that's, he's kind of living the dream there and he didn't have to go do all this fucked up shit to his body.
0: Yeah. I don't know.
2: Um... Andrew what's the next one here
0: <laughs> I guess I'm a little quiet I'm just like Dean is going off today sorry I'm
2: trying I'm trying not to I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be good today actually Danny Danny's had more rants than me and you combined today so this is perfect well,
0: well, oh, I'm good with, <laughs> I think maybe I'm just used to like each podcast is different and I mean we usually <laughs> have a lot of banter back and forth um I won't, I, never mind. I was I was gonna say something about one podcast. I'm not even going there. But on our last podcast, Brett, Brett will just talk and like there's just no getting any words in. But actually, it was kind of perfect. We just let him go. so I don't we really. It was perfect because
2: it was one of those mornings where like I didn't not that I didn't want to do the podcast, but I was there's just a lot going on. I think I was leaving the next day to travel, and he like literally talked the whole time, and it was perfect. Cause I just kind of listened to Brett and his brain and his conversation he had with himself. And it was like the smartest conversation ever between one person. Like he was like answering and asking himself questions and like going off on research. It was like literally the best.
0: And he was excited. He was like a little kid. You know, Denny, I'm pretty sure you probably know Brett fairly well and just how excited he gets when he gets talking about the things he's passionate about. So, um, and yeah, everybody listening here, like that was literally our podcast episode from last week. So you can go check that one out if you're interested. Uh, So the next thing I was going to ask you about is you've touched on the use of rules in fitness and nutrition on your social media. And I guess I was going to ask how can setting rules help people and where can they go dangerously wrong?
1: Well, um, I'm not against rule. I'm not anti-rule or anything like that. But um, I do think that a lot of rules that uh, that people set – In the fitness industry or a lot of guidelines people give are um, they're kind of arbitrary, right? I mean, it it could be something that you found that works for yourself. And then you're like telling other people, well, this is a rule that everyone should have. Well, um, you know, that's understandable. But like some people thrive with different boundaries, you know what I mean? And they don't they don't need to have other people set rules for them. Or maybe they can try out those rules. I mean like was it was it Arnold Schwarzenegger who said learn the rules so that you can break them intelligently. I think it Actually, was him. Arnold probably was. someone way more famous than that, like historically. Learn the rules so that you can break them intelligently. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I I agree with trying out different things that people recommend, whether they're guidelines, their rules, whatever. Try them out, but then learn them and then break them to benefit yourself, you know, like figure out how you will succeed um, within the rules and then figure out how you will succeed when you bend them or when you use them to your advantage, right?
2: Well, I think a lot of people even lose the context of what the rules are trying to, like they don't even know what their context is and then they use rules for something else. Like we'll use TED, for example, Ted's just trying to stay in shape. Arnold's rules probably wouldn't work for him. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that there's just so many rules out there and so many people saying that this is the way to do things where it's just hard to evaluate, I guess, the context in which they're saying it because there's fitness has grown to
0: be like a lot of things at this point. With rules, there's a couple of thoughts I have here. One is a lot of the people who are marketing ideas, ideologies around nutrition training, in order to create the brand that they're creating and a product to sell, yeah. they have to create rules. I think that a lot of these dietary regimes, you know, paleo has its rules. Intermittent fasting has its rules. Keto has its rules. The snake diet has its rules.
2: This is the first time you said it.
1: Yeah. So, know, Danny
2: doesn't know. Danny, do
0: you know about the snake
2: diet?
1: No, I don't.
2: Oh, that's good.
0: Okay. We're not going to go too far there, but just, you need to Google it after the episode and you're okay. going to just see crazy shit. So He's uh, this, is, this is really, really off the rocker stuff. It, these people are creating rules for people to follow. And that goes into creating a tribe and they have their tribe and they're selling something. And I think if you can recognize that that's really a lot of what this stuff is, it's creating rules to package up something to market to you. Then you can be a little more wary of it. Now, the second thought, and it's sort of, and I think this kind of goes to something you were saying as well, some people rules are going to work very well. Some people won't do well with rules. A lot of it actually has to do with your personality type. So if you're familiar with, I forget how to explain this, but there are five sort of dimensions to personality. Um, you know, whether someone is high or low in openness, high or low in conscientiousness, yeah. low in neuroticism, uh, agreeableness. Like you know like all of them. But so people who are really high in conscientiousness tend to be very detail oriented. Um, and then people who are low in openness tend to be more rigid in uh, habits and routines and stuff like that. So if you had someone who maybe was skewed a little high in conscientiousness and or tended to be low on openness, then creating some rules for them to follow might actually be the way to approach their programming. and might work better for them. If you have someone who's really really high in an openness sort of personality, someone who likes to travel and experience new things well creating a lot of boxes for them to have to live within probably isn't going to work for them very well so if you kind of get a handle on a, yourself as a person and what your personality is you'll probably realize if creating some structure and some rules can work Brian Cron is really good at, and I get another one of uh, you know tedious writers we've had on a couple oh, of yeah, times fine, he's they? really good at understanding old-school rule structure and sometimes break it away from the the purely scientific to do what's actually best for the client. You know, he's kind of legendary for this stuff. I've seen him present on this. And I remember someone else in the audience kind of, I was sitting nearby. They were like, fuck crying you, Brian. About, what's that?
2: So they're probably like, fuck you, Brian. You're an idiot.
0: Well, <laughs> no, no, not that at all. They're just crying a little bit about the fact that Brian was talking about, you know, sometimes it's okay to use rules like telling someone, all right, don't eat after 9 p.m. because we're so fixated on the idea of breaking this notion that, You know, eating after 9 p.m. is perfectly fine. It doesn't make you fat. But guess what? We talked about this recently, too. If you have someone who the only food that they go for is complete and utter garbage after 9 p.m., then, yes, eating late is bad for them. And maybe they actually have to have a window where they they say, no, I don't eat after that time, as long as you understand why and you just don't reinforce the pseudoscientific bullshit. So I think rules can be perfectly fine as long as they're not completely out of control. And I think for some people, they just don't work at all. So it's just finding what...
1: I like the idea of structure, Mm -hmm. like whenever you have a diet, um, it forces people into structure. And if, if, you know, it's usually people who are outside of fitness, who, who aren't used to that, you know, aren't used to eating a certain way, they have no structure to how they eat. And so they need those rules, they need to have some type of structure to their day so that they can figure out, okay, well... Maybe eating, you know, eating M and M's throughout the entire fucking day is not super helpful to my physique. <laughs> um, but I, I agree. I agree. There's a time and place for rules. Um, but I, 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 think the reason why sometimes it makes people bristle is because um, it's people like the idea of guidelines. Instead. So I'm going to follow these guidelines. And if I screw up, then it's not like I broke a rule. You know what I mean? It sounds less harsh. And so I think it's kind of about semantics sometimes. And that's why, you know, personally, I try to use guidelines, the the term guidelines instead of rules, because I don't want to, I don't want people to feel bad about themselves. Although I love, I love thinking of myself as a rule breaker. Sometimes, you know, like, I don't see why that would be a stigma, but, um,
2: was well, because you're able to look at the rule and break it and feel good about it, as opposed to when you break it, feel bad about it. And that's where like guidelines tend to have a language that will make people not feel bad about shit if they do not follow it. So that that's just a language thing for you. You're just gonna break it because it feels good.
1: <laughs> so about the idea of rules, and this is I don't I don't think that this is um, necessarily about diet, yeah. but it's just about rules in general. I was just reading this book. Awesome, awesome book. It's called Barking Up the Wrong Tree. Have you heard of it?
0: Eric Barker. Yeah. yeah. Uh, awesome. My friend Mike Howard referred that book to me. And uh, do you actually know who Mike is? No, know, huh? Uh, he's he's a great fitness professional. Mike? A lot of nutrition. Uh, I will talk about him later. But uh, yeah. he's a really, really great follow. Someone would actually be a great writer for T Nation. But uh, yeah, go on. Awesome book.
1: So this there's this one part of the book where it talks about like um people who in high school and college followed all the rules, got straight A's, did all this stuff, they tend to be the people they tend to not be the most successful outside of school because they're so good at following rules. They're so good at, you know, you know, going by what's supposed to happen, you know, staying within their guidelines, staying within that structure that school has given them that once they get out of school, they can't break enough they can't um be successful on their own because they don't have that structure and they don't know how to think outside of the box anymore. They're so used to being given rules and following them that they can't succeed, like be wildly successful outside of those rules. Does that kind of make sense?
0: Yeah, makes tons. of Most of the really, really successful people that you hear about, uh, like let's say Elon Musk, Steve Jobs, Jeff um, yeah. be- Bezos. These are not people who followed the rules. Now, again, there's lots of people who didn't follow the rules that really ended up having very poor outcomes. You don't always hear about those people. But a lot of the most successful people in business, in comedy, in acting, and music, and what have you, were obviously people who didn't follow a specific formula, and they weren't constrained by the rigid and traditional way of thinking. They were adventurous, entrepreneurial. Um, what's it, Sir Richard Branson would be another really good example of that.
1: Yeah. For sure.
0: I think a lot of the mavericks in our fitness industry, people who've been really successful, created new things as opposed to something that was just the norm. I, I think a lot of the people that we've seen have had a lot of success and created something out of nothing. Um, and they're the people that are influencing our industry now. Someone like John Berardi who created and built Precision Nutrition it would be a probably a oh. really good example of that.
1: For sure. Definitely.
2: Um, okay. I know, I, I don't know how you guys are with time, but I, I want, we we do want to do I'm this good, one because like Andrew, Andrew, Andrew generally likes to like troll people's like social media and pick out something like viral or something that they said that's fucked up. And then we talk about it. It's great. So on yours, you commented on Twitter and shared an article about the spotlight effect and like how it can keep people outside the gym. Would you explain what the spotlight effect is and how it impacts our fitness? Cause I think this is something we haven't talked about yet and it's kind of cool to hit on
1: this. Okay. So basically what the spotlight effect is, is when you think that anywhere you go, all eyes are on you. And so it can create a lot of insecurity when you think that everyone is paying attention to yeah. you and they're, they're marking down every flaw and everything you do wrong. And they notice every misstep that you take. That's the spotlight effect. You think that everyone is putting a spotlight on you. And it's obviously, you know, it's totally not true. And so the reason why I think that that's why a lot of people don't go to the gym is because they have this fear that everyone is noticing everything that they do or the way they look or how they're, you know, they're so afraid about, they're so afraid of how they're perceived that they're afraid of even going there. And, um, I think that's a big problem, you know, because the gym, I, I mean, even thinking about my father, my own dad, he doesn't like to go to the gym, he says, because it's full of testosterone. Isn't that ironic? <laughs> <laughs> my, my own dad won't go to the gym because it's full of testosterone. So, <laughs> I, but I think that that's kind of maybe his excuse because yeah. I, I don't, I just think that maybe he, he thinks that other people are thinking things about him and that's just not. Everyone is focused on themselves. You know what I mean? Everyone is, has a task to do and they're, worried about themselves getting their own workout in so what's, yeah
2: what's your thoughts on like combating this so like we do have trainers that listen to this and like even this problem popped up in our stronger youth fitness group this idea of like everyone's watching so i don't want to do this exercise because they might be looking or i'm too weak or i'm too big or i'm too thin whatever how 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 would you recommend that people deal with these things as they pop up with their clients or with their friends and family? Because it's something that like if you have a good answer, you can kind of push them along the way. And I think you might have a better insight on this.
1: Well, I mean, you know, what's the worst that can happen? If you look silly for a few minutes, but then you get a long term benefit out of it, then so what? Like, so what if people think you look ridiculous? Uh, you know, I do a ton of exercises that probably look ridiculous to people who aren't used to seeing them. I remember before um, hip thrusts became popular, tons of people would come up to me and be like, does that work your biceps? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, I would not be doing this to my body and looking this ridiculous if I could just do some curls with my biceps, you know, if I could just do some 21s. But so it's like you know, yes, I'm going to make, and, and back then it was like, yes, I know. I realize that I'm making myself look like a fool, but that's because these people have not caught up on what, you know, works inside of the gym. They, they just don't know what the the, uh, cutting edge exercises are right now. So, and I don't blame them. I just, but it's at at the same time, I'm not going to pretend to be, you know, less silly. I'm just going to do the silly looking things so that I can get that long-term benefit
2: I really don't think like this is maybe I'm wrong but like, I don't think anyone gives a shit about anyone at the gym like maybe there's some crowds but like like I'm busy trying to get shit done maybe that's just me but like are there actually lots of people who go and sit there and judge everyone like that seems like a fucking waste of time
1: yeah yeah well and uh, I don't know I, when I go to the gym I know that people say you need to avoid the talkers but like yeah. I have built a community at my gym and I will talk to, I will make eye contact and at least say, Hey, how's it going? You know? So, um, the last thing I want to do is, is, um, point out, you know, where someone's making a mistake because so fucking what that's going to be a person who I'm going to go to the gym for so that I can say hi to them the next day. Like I want my gym to be filled with people who I consider family. So, um, I don't know. I just try to be super positive around people. Even if they're new beginners, I like to talk to people. I like to engage them sometimes. And, I mean, I'll I'll let them do their workout. I'm not that kind of person. But well,
2: Andrew yeah. might have a pretty good insight because like, you've been part of a, a corporate gym, a like, huge chain, which would be a different environment than where you're at right now. Because Andrew's at this place called Evolve, but it's essentially a performance gym with a lot of trainers there and a lot of different kind of groups. What do you kind of notice there, Andrew? Like, Is there a difference between like, those type of environments?
0: There totally is. So I one of the ways I sell uh, people on the idea of evolve, or number one, there's no mirrors in there, which is kind of interesting. But <laughs> I, I hate mean, that when I'm bringing people in, you know, the no mirrors and just the environment a place like evolve straight. There's sort of three groups of people that we don't get in there. Types of people that working in a commercial gym for a long time who tended to create a lot of the problems. There's there's always this cluster of creepy old men. Dirty old men. We had a group of them at the old gym. They would catcall the girls. One what? guy grabbed one of the female trainers' hair and tugged on it. And then, oh my when God. Which came forward with a complaint. One of his friends. Because These guys are real fuckers. These guys are... I was trying to get rid of these guys for years. These guys are garbage. One of the guys stuck up behind her, put his hands on her ribs from behind and rubbed it up and down, just to go... And then was like, oh, was that too much? Just to be predatory and intimidate her because the management buried the complaint and wouldn't get rid of these guys because they've been around for so long. And I was really fighting with these guys. These same guys, funny you're talking about hip thrusting. I was training a couple clients of mine there, a longtime client's daughters, and they were like 16 and 18 at the time. And, and I'm having them do certain exercises. These guys are leering at them. So <laughs> these sort of assholes, we don't get those guys in our gym anymore. Two, you don't get the large packs of young guys who hang around together and can kind of be intimidating to the soccer moms and, and everybody else who are kind of loud and boisterous. And then we also don't get a and you know a lot of my friends uh, they're into men uh, men's physique or there's bikini girls or bodybuilders and actually mostly really really awesome. But you don't also get packs of those guys either. And unfortunately, just their presence can be a little bit intimidating to you know your average. Do, girl do you think well. that they
2: give a shit? Like,
0: like no, they like, don't. They don't really give a shit at all. Like all so, those groups. No, uh, well, the the creepy old men give a shit, and then the the packs of boisterous young guys, they can be kind of a nuisance because they they can be looking around and laughing at whatever. Okay, so it, to do so, so it is a
2: problem. Like so, someone walks in a gym. Like <laughs> oh,
0: those, those two particular groups can actually be giant pains in the asses in gyms. So yeah. You have to really holding their respect can really work and calm down their shit. The bodybuilders are fine. They're actually usually really good. So there's a tactic that I use. I used to use it at the old gym, and I use it all the time now. And any traders, you'd be wise to use. If you've got a new member who's a little intimidated by the gym, a little scared, just pause and tell them to look around the gym 360 degrees and pause it individually on every single person that they can see in the gym. And then don't say anything. So you get them to do that. And then when they come back and I ask them, was anybody looking back at you? And I've yet to actually have someone turn around and say, yeah, like there are people looking back at me. And that exercise just makes people realize, wait a second, no one's fucking looking in here, here's what I'm doing. And it works. And it usually calms people right down.
2: I should use that one, because my, I don't, in my head, like my thing would be like prison rules. Like you walk in, you find the bench or the deadlift, load up as much weight and just like smash it and then walk out. It'd be like the equivalent of like knocking out the toughest motherfucker. Like that, that'd be my advice, which would be bad advice is what you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I was just thinking about that.
0: Well, when you bench when you bench four forty in competition, yeah. I don't think anybody's looking at well, you. to, and wants to, to go reckless. back to
2: that, like that actually goes back to Instagram. It's that whole idea of you just need to put a highlight reel and then people follow you. Anyways, um, <laughs> what what I was getting at is that's actually amazing. I, I like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that one if you don't mind. I think that, that's, I, I do to, get that question a lot. Like, I don't want to do this cause this will be looking, these people will be looking. And I said the same thing Danny says, like, you know what? They're really not. But like, that's actually probably works because no one actually yeah. is looking at them. If you actually look around the gym, I could see that like maybe one person, if that.
1: Well, and you know, I feel like it's important to, to communicate with people so that they don't like, so that they're never going to like glare at you and hate on like, yeah. Um, you know, when there are women in the gym, and I know that sometimes women are competitive with one another, if I see one who's lifting a significant amount of weight, I'm going to go up to her and I'm going to talk to her. I'm going to be like, that is crazy what you just did. Oh my God. And so that's how I've made so many friends at my gym is like telling them when, when they did something awesome and telling them how much I admire that. And like, you know, asking for, Hey, can you, can you teach me what you were doing just then? Because I could use that. Like, I, I know that, you know, more than I do on this thing. So teach me how you do that.
2: Well, and that goes into like, even I was joking about the weight thing, but if you go and work hard and like you're doing something that like you have like a program and like, you kind of have a good understanding of what you're doing, people do respect that. So they might be looking, but they might be looking like, damn, that person's like doing shit that looks good and they'll ask you questions. Like I think we don't have enough of that.
1: Sure, right. Right.
0: Um, if you make to take opportunities to actually interact with people a lot of good things are going to come yeah. from that. I, I don't know if I've ever said this on here. I've said this a number of times on social media. Okay. Almost every good thing that's ever happened to me has come from the decision to start working out very, very seriously 16 years ago. Before that, I played a lot of sports and dabbled in the gym. But I think about almost all of my good friends in my life are people I've actually met through the gym environment, if that makes sense. Uh, people I spend my time with. Uh, my friends who I have all my holidays with, you know, they're friends of mine that I met through the gym, uh, like there's just so much good that's come of it. And if you've got someone who is still on the fence about enlisting this and on the fence about even stepping foot into a gym, it's not just a place you shouldn't feel intimidated by, but it's actually a really great environment to make friends and meet new people and have a really positive social experience if you value that.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It goes back to tribes. We're just keep circling around. You found your tribe in the gym, Andrew. That's your tribe. Just gym people.
0: See, I'm not really a tribal person. Yeah, uh, you are. You just said it. I <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, So I mentioned all these personality spectrum things, and we're talking about Steve Jobs and uh, whatever earlier. Uh, one of the traits is sort of agreeableness. So people who are high in agreeableness are people who tend to say yes to a lot of stuff, who generally value harmony and being nice and whatever. So, anyone who knows me quite well, Dean will laugh at this. I probably score fairly low on agreeableness. That's just my <laughs> general nature. And disagreeable people don't tend to be collaborative. It's actually amazing that I can actually coexist with a co host on a podcast. We get along pretty well. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I'm sort of on the disagreeable end of things. And that means that I don't like existing within a tribe. I tend to be more of an individualist. So, I don't know if anybody's like, hey, I'm like, yeah, yeah you might be a little more disagreeable. <laughs>
2: Okay, hey, let's let's give her the book one. We talked yeah. about books, okay. but like Andrew likes to ask, I won't ask it, I won't steal your thunder. Oh
1: no, that's
0: okay. Uh, <laughs> so you actually mentioned Barking Up the Wrong Tree, which awesome, awesome book. So we always try to get our guests to say, Hey, is there a book that you really love that has made a difference in your life that you'd actually love to share with everybody and say, Hey, you gotta read
1: this book. Oh, there are so many. Um Okay, so I think Sean Acor's The Happiness Advantage where he talked about how um, being successful doesn't make you happy, but being happy makes you successful. So the happier you are, the better you're going to be able to deal with the shit that happens to you in life. And the better you're going to be able to think of solutions and, um, you know, be successful. So Success follows happiness, not the other way around. So the happiness advantage is one of the the best ones. But as far as like, you know, I think sometimes um, fitness professionals get caught up in a lot of self-development books and that's fine. But once in a while, read some fiction, you know, Mm -hmm. my favorite fiction book is called The Rook and it is so bizarre, so weird that like it'll make you a better writer and a better, you know, better at like stepping outside of the box and thinking about you know, different things. So I th- I think once in a while we need to focus on like being creative, that creative aspect because it'll make us better at everything else. So yeah, self-development books are awesome and I do, you know, I see the value in them, but at the same time I can tell when everyone has read the same fucking book
2: at the like, same time because it just came out.
1: Mm-hmm. Everyone is, everyone is using those buzzwords and it's like, Oh, okay. Are we going to talk about vulnerability again? Are we going to talk about oh. authenticity? Because yeah. like it's, you know, and I understand that there's, those are important words and there's a time for all of that. But when everyone is, is saying the same exact stuff over and over again, it's like, okay, well I can tell you all read, read the same book. Yeah. So, um, I just think it's important to add variety and, you know, take, Read a little nonfiction. Read a little fiction. Read read the Bible. Read something else. What's the because... rook about? What's that?
2: What's the rook about?
1: It is gonna, so crazy. Everyone's it's gonna sci-fi. listen to it and
2: be like, "I want to know what it's about." You just say it's the craziest book ever. I'm not gonna okay. tell you.
1: Okay, sci-fi. So this girl um, wakes up and she has no memory of who she is or what you know what she's about. Yeah. She wakes up at the park, I think, and um, she reads these series of notes that apparently her former self wrote for her and um she has to figure out what these notes mean and who she is and her job is um kind of crazy i mean it's the it's the weirdest sci-fi book I've ever read, but it's hilarious at the same time.
2: Sounds like Memento. Uh, so
1: definitely read The Rook. It's going to like... <laughs> and then and then recommend it to everyone you know, because everyone who reads it is like, what the heck was that? That was so crazy. So fun to read. It's a fun, it's a fun read.
0: That sounds like the movie Memento. Have you ever seen that? I that's, have.
1: That's, that was a great movie. Yeah.
0: That's the second time you read my mind on this, because it totally reminded me of Memento.
2: Yeah. yeah. That's... <laughs> so watch that movie, too. So read The Rook and watch that movie. We, we make no money on that though. Damn it. Um, okay, we, we kind of touched on T Nation, but let's remind our listeners where they can find you online and, and on social media. So where can they consume all the stuff you're putting out?
1: <laughs> I don't know if my stuff is worth consumption. <laughs> no, no, no. None of,
0: none of that. <laughs> really- um, yeah.
1: So I'm on Instagram. It's just my name, Danny Sugar, D-A-N-I-S-H-U-G-A-R-T. Um, and then I'm on Nation.com. um i'm on facebook i'm pretty shy on facebook i don't really i i don't do a whole lot on facebook i don't know why i think it's because okay this is gonna be i feel oh, bad
2: good job son
1: <laughs> not that i you know i love them i love them to death but it's just kind of weird because i don't want to like i don't know it's just weird talking fitness and and knowing that your extended family is cool
0: i think yeah it's- I I wanted to just throw out there, like, you know, you're talking about, oh, no, I'm not sure my stuff's worth, you know, no, like, shit, like, we are very picky about who we pull on this podcast, and so what happened was, is recently, I, because you and I haven't met in person, like, I have with probably about 75, 80% of our guests, but I saw Mm -hmm. you commented on somebody else's, uh, a mutual friend's uh, Facebook, and so I'm like, Danny, cool, you know, I've been reading her stuff for forever, she's great. So I sent you a friend request, and funny enough, often enough in our industry, we have enough mutual friends, people do that. I was in the middle of like writing a message, to, hey, you know, I've been following you forever, like blah blah, and you accepted. We got chatting, and we talked about the podcast, and we made this happen really fast. But I'm trying to get great people on here yeah. who our listeners can actually get more into their their ideas, their thoughts, yeah. Yeah. and so no, like I, I can't I, endorse. I would what say we've it's. Been,
2: you- it's no. the opposite way around. Like, so just this this can go in there, is that when we see a lot of fitness professionals and we grew up reading all this shit, is we think some of these people are unaccessible. Like, we are like, oh my God, like, this person's going to say yes to us. And we found that the more people we reach out to, the fitness industry actually isn't like that. It's not like if I were to go message Brad Pitt and his aging gets back to you and he's like, fuck you. Like, everyone seems to be pretty welcoming. So on our end, we're like, man, I don't know if we can get her. Like, I don't know if she'll want to come on. So like... You oh, were thinking gosh. the same thing that we were thinking. So it's kind of cool that we kind of get that reaction more often than not, I think. And that's awesome.
1: That is really cool. Yeah. Well, and if you guys ever want some people or that I can recommend to you, I know a ton of people, that would be amazing.
0: Yeah. Well, that's probably something that, uh, you know, And I'll actually, when we get off here, I'll mention a couple of themes I think would be really, really great to speak on here. But uh, yeah, it, we're all... On one hand, we're always looking for, you know, the best of the best. It's kind of funny. Every once in a while, I get sort of a, a message from someone in the industry who wants to come on the podcast, and, and sometimes it's actually kind of a perfect fit. You know, John Goodman of the Personal Trainer Development Center, like, someone recommended that uh, he come into our podcast. I'm like, absolutely, John. I, I met him in person, and he's a really great guy, but then every once in a while, we occasionally, and I want to say this the right way, sometimes, <laughs> some. You know, of our trainer friends who are, are quite new to the industry or really haven't established any sort of a following and they'll ask and they'll say hey you know I've, I've got this you know this great story and a great story is amazing but i think what they're sometimes looking for is sort of the validation to think that if they get on this podcast which is done really really well but we're certainly not rogan as you're joking earlier we're
1: not joking. It, it's
0: somehow going to mean that clients will be lining up or Or that, you know, it validates them. And and no, like, uh, we can really help with with all the experience I have. You know, I'll I'll have all kinds of conversations. and I'll I'll help people the best of my ability. And I can do a lot more for them that way to help their careers and get them going. Than it takes someone who's still quite new to this stuff and splash them on the podcast. You're too nice.
2: I was just going to say, like, literally at this point, we started this project as like a fuck it, let's just do it. We have like an hour a week where we get to like talk to people and it becomes a project where we just want to talk to cool people. It's not that our friends aren't cool. It's just that like literally I, like it's, it's just self-fulfillment at this point. We just want to talk to all the cool people. So you, you fit the list of cool, you know, Yeah. <laughs> <I just laughs> try to be like nice and political. It's just like, it's, it's self-serving at this point. We just like talking to people.
1: Well, thank you so much. Cause I, I feel 100% uncool these days
2: <laughs> you're the coolest now you're even more cool now after meeting you so that's good you you fit the bill like you you, you exceeded expectations
1: oh yeah, I like to people's expectations nice and low
0: <laughs> he, he does this all the time because like I'd say
1: about
0: uh, 80% of our guests before they come on the podcast he probably doesn't actually know who they are <laughs> I today. knew who Danny yeah.
2: was I read teenage shit I
0: <laughs> Don't tell them who
2: I didn't know. I'm just like, I, I was a teacher before this. Like I just power lifted and lift the weights. Like I was so out of the industry, which is good. Like I, I like coming in with like a clean slate because then I could just ask questions.
1: Well, can I ask you what, what did you teach? Uh,
2: I initially I was in elementary. I, I was trained in phys ed, but I taught at a, I, my biggest position was I, I coordinated a program for, um, it was cadets, but it was essentially EMS, police and fire. We just, it was a career course. So it was like the okay. sickest job ever. And then I, yeah, big contract That's issue. Cool. I was, yeah, I, t- I, I taught I'm kindergarten sorry. at one point. What's it? It. I taught kindergarten at one point. It was that like, was, it was like our mom. the
1: kindergarten teacher, or she was a kindergarten teacher for about 20 to 30 years. It's the worst. <laughs> it's the worst. She loved it. <laughs> My mom was
0: a teacher uh, recently retired as well. So I always have a lot of for teachers and what they do because I watch. You know my mom, who is just the—you know—there's no person in the world who is more patient than my mother. So (laughs) I do actually have more patience than people realize. I get that from my mom, but it balances out my dad, who's a little bit more. Teaching,
2: (laughs) teaching is great. I just think that the fitness industry is a teaching job that people pay you for, and they want to—they want to do it. That's how I approached it. It's just I get to teach what I want, as opposed to getting stuck
0: teaching something (laughs) I don't. Yeah. Well, we'll, uh, we'll—I'll sort of clue it up by saying this. So. Uh, Danny, you know, you're probably going to have some people who are listening to us for the first time ever, and that found us through you. So to those people, I'll say, you know, we've mentioned a few of our previous guests who are our T Nation writers, um, and if some of those interest you, go check that out. Our last week's episode with Breck Contreras uh, was unbelievable. Stick around next week, we'll have Nick Tumanello and there's, there's plenty more. And for our listeners who've been listening to us for a long time, who you know, may just be discovering Danny again. Go check out her stuff. Go, go check out GirlFitness uh, dot com online.
1: Check that out. It's old. Don't check that out.
0: It's really, Thank you. really good. So, so Thank you. and uh, and of course your social media, and and check out what she's got to say too, because uh, there's a lot of really great work there. One of the things I always like to say about T Nation, I don't know, oh, yeah, I've said this on the air before, because we exist in an industry where sometimes some of the professionals. They can actually be a little critical of T Nation. They feel like the memes can be a little offensive, like we alluded to earlier, or they feel like that the T Nation doesn't cater to a certain audience, and maybe it's geared a bit more to the big lifter, the bros, or whatever. And here's my thoughts on this. I've been reading T Nation. I learned more from T Nation as a single resource than anything else in my uh, training career. There is great information. You know what? There's also, like anywhere else, there's some stuff that I don't agree with. And that may not necessarily be as strongly scientifically backed. So I think reading Teen Nation is an amazing exercise in being able to filter between, you know, really, really, really great content, and then maybe some of the stuff that just doesn't apply to you. So I found it a really great exercise, and it's where a lot of my—that's really where I started out as like a young yeah. kid with the internet. internet was there's no YouTube? All the people who have been longtime prolific Teen Nation writers. And I've had the good fortune of actually meeting a lot of them in person and becoming friends with them and we've had them on the podcast. So there's a lot of good there. And quite frankly, you know, if you're offended by a T Nation meme. You can fuck off. Sorry.
1: Can I express that? Because you made such a good point. But I totally want to jump in there. Absolutely. Because it's a great point. Because, listen, um, there are so many contributors who write for T Nation that – Like even the editors don't agree with everything. Like I certainly don't there. And, and sometimes, you know, it's, it's just, it would be impossible for you to, to agree with every single perspective that's on Teenation.com. So I don't even agree with, actually, I don't even agree with myself from three or four years ago. Like I, my, my knowledge as it grows, I realize oh shit, I was wrong about that. And then what the heck was I saying? Because I don't agree—I don't even agree with that anymore. But you have to be able to think, okay, well, that person who is who has that opinion, has that perspective—that's just a snapshot of what they think on that topic at that time. That's not their lifetime manifesto. So don't form opinions of people just because of one article or one perspective that they wrote that one time, because it may not even be accurate today or, you know, it, it may not, it doesn't reveal their, the full depth of their character or who they are in life. You know, it's, it's not their It's not everything they believe. And it's just one thing that they think, and it may not be what they think forever. You know what I mean? Um, And as far as the memes, like, Oh my gosh, I, I know, I know it's, (laughs) are just there to get a reaction and to get people to interact with each other and whether or not that's friendly or, or, you know, just it creates discussion. And so that's kind of how I see them. If you don't have to agree with every single meme out there, I certainly don't, but it's interesting to read the discussions underneath them, right? I mean, everyone has their own opinion of everything. And so I think it's kind of, when people get upset over memes because it's like you did exactly what we wanted you to you know what I mean I read
0: this recently and this makes so much sense Uh, it was about how if you wrote something post something on social media that was maybe a little controversial or opinionated it used to be great for creating discussion it used to be a great way to get attention and create a talking point and get people going and now it feels like everything just offends people and everything needs to be filtered through political correctness. And then there's just this crying fit if you are exposed to something you don't agree with. And and I find that there's some people who just want it all taken down. They don't want to be exposed to things they disagree with. Yeah. I, that's not everybody, but there's more than enough of it online. And it's sort of sad to see that society has changed that way. And that prevailing attitude now is just that offends me you know, I don't want to see that that shouldn't be allowed. That's kind of scary when I think about it. And sometimes the reaction to some of those beams takes that form. And I'm sorry, but if you're the type of person who can't handle uh, something that you don't agree with, then life's going to get really, really difficult for you. And you're going to have a lot of bad experiences. So I think it, the quicker you can learn to handle stuff that's doesn't jive with you and go about your life and not be stressed the fuck out about it i think you're going to have a better existence
1: yeah well and you know people need to like shrug and say oh well we don't agree with each other on that point yeah. the next thing that i need to do today you know people just need to have lives
0: <laughs> well we've gone on and on and on this has actually been an unbelievable yeah. podcast yeah. I, I really People stuck around at the end because I actually some of the best stuff was in the last few minutes. Uh, Danny, thank you so much. This is just an honor and a treat to have you on here, and oh, uh, stick you. around after we sign off, and uh, we'll have a little more of a chat. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll chat with you next week. Shut up and sit down. Shut up and sit down.